Well, hello, hello, everyone. So glad to have you here on my LinkedIn Live. This is Dr. Michelle Rosen, the Change Doctor, and I have Regina Johnson here with me today to talk about something that I know is relevant to all of you, the future of work, three pillars to shifting your paradigm. So this is something very, very important, very relevant to a lot of leaders today. Regina is uh, the Chief Human Officer, Human Resources Officer um, at MarketCast, and she's also the board member of the Moxie Exchange, a women-owned technology and learning organization dedicated to driving equity and inclusion in organizations big and small. Hello, Regina. Hello, Dr. Rosen. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Tell us more about what you do and what is close to your heart these days. Absolutely. Well, I think, um, as you said, um, you know, I'm a human resources practitioner by heart, um, have been in the field for a number of years. And, you know, I got into this field and into the space mainly because um, as we think about um, people and the work that they do, um, they're really essential into um, how a company runs. They really are part of the ecosystem. And so as I really got into the field of human resources, I realized that that was really my calling um, to ensure that as we think about what it means for work, what it means for businesses, companies, organization, globalization, um, you know, people are at the center of that. Yeah. And, um, you know, my my passion is to make sure that we're able to um, ensure people are bringing them their best selves to work. And, you know, Regina, it, 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 it can't be more timely because and to anybody that is viewing us, please feel free to comment and ask. We want you as part of the discussion. Like Regina says, people are everything. We need you. We want you to contribute. Ask us anything. Comment and tell us what you think. Um, somehow I feel, Regina, and I don't know how you feel about that, that the topic of soft skills, the topic of knowing how to lead people, how to have the ability, the skills, the strategies, the art of um, motivating people, engaging people, um, helping people get focused and intentional on everything they do became even more important today more than ever. Do you feel the same way? Oh, without a doubt. Well, I think I think there are several reasons for that. Um, you know, when we think about the term, the future of work, that's been a bit of a buzz phrase for a number of years. Um, and it really was, was meant to talk about how work is shifting, right? Yes. When we think about technology and how it plays a role um, in any industry, in any organization, any company, it plays a role as an enabler. And so what does that mean when you think about um, how it affects people in teams? Well, naturally what it means is, is as we get more tech enabled, as an example, the human skills become even more increasingly important, right? As we think about how work is done. And so what it means is, is that as we think about individuals, as we think about leaders, you know, the things that make us who we are that technology can't do, right? Are, you know, essences of critical thinking high emotional intelligence, yes. um, you know, being able to demonstrate levels of resilience and agility um, and being able to shift and pivot, being able to synthesize multiple different types of scenarios and cases and come to conclusions. These are all things that, that while, of course, technology um, plays a role in, it misses the human component in all of that. 
And so when we think about where we are today, um, the ability for us as we think about you know, human capabilities, human-centered competencies are really coming to the forefront with companies and organizations. Um, and I'll give you a few tangible examples on how that's actually showing up. Let's talk about where we are. I mean, we know we're we're still in the midst of a pandemic where, you know, while it's starting to shift from more of a pandemic phase into what now feels more endemic and that we're going to have to, to, to live with this virus, the reality is, is that um, that really was quite a disruptor and brought to the forefront a number of things that, that we did not necessarily understand within our work environment, within the global supply chain. And so if you think about companies and organizations and CEOs in particular, Erson Young did a recent study that asked CEOs what's top of mind for them this year. Mm -hmm. There's a series of things that they've essentially said. One is we have to see around corners. We have to have um, more of a long-term approach in how we think about the business and how it's run. We have to have sustainable approaches in how we think um, about where we enter into markets, how we serve our customers and clients. And it also takes a look at how are we thinking around the fact that in all of what's happened, seeing around the corners, building out more effective capabilities to mitigate risk relative to the operations and the supply chain, the people side, the culture piece was also something that was also listed. Mm -hmm. and so when you think about what's top of mind for CEOs going into this year, all of the things that they listed have a people element in of terms course. of being able to deliver those things. And so that's why when, exactly to your point, when you say, why is this elevated? It's top of mind for our CEOs. It's top of mind as we think about health of companies and organizations. CEOs are no longer managing companies. They're managing ecosystems. Right. And if you think about what an ecosystem is, um, you know, the, the human condition is probably the best example of that. And we have um, a LinkedIn user. We don't know your name, but they say totally agree about the role technology plays in the workplace, especially, oh, I love that. We can see it especially when companies rely more and more on self-paced learning via knowledge management systems at the expense of the importance of dialogue in all learning, especially leadership development. But you know, Regina, I have, I want to take this back to something that I'm seeing all the time. I'm seeing all these wonderful leaders that have amazing capabilities in terms of strategy, you know, type A people, that know how to do things, that have amazing accomplishments. But when it comes to the soft skills, they struggle. And, you know, I want to make it, as you were talking about technology, I was thinking about me, and I am the least technological person you have ever met in your life, ever, okay? <laughs> At this point in life, I know my shortcomings, and I know, I know, I have a team that helps me, and I got better. But I was thinking, you know, how do I, but, but I'm very, very obviously versed in, soft skills. So I was trying to reverse it in my mind as you were speaking. And I was thinking to myself, how can somebody who is not versed with, maybe very versed with technology, but a leader who is not versed with the soft skills that sort of got away with it before it was okay. It wasn't perfect, but it was okay. And they, you know, went up and up and up in the leadership ladder. 
but now it's becoming a problem. And I was thinking from my perspective, how do I get comfortable with technology? Because obviously you have, you know, I'm a non-technological person operating in a highly technological world. So it's not going to work if I just say, well, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not technological. So I'm good at other things. So I'm just not doing this. It doesn't work this way. I have to adapt. And so what have you seen on your end that really worked for someone who is a wonderful person, a wonderful leader that really struggles with that? So I think there's a couple of things, um, and, and and companies right now are, are facing that. But I would also say it goes it goes deeper than that. Universities, institutions, everyone is is trying to make sure that the environment that they have, right, and that they cultivate, where people either work, educate themselves, play in, meets some of the the experience that people have in their use of technology in person, right? So. So as an example, we know that that um, there are some companies that are very technology um, savvy, very technology advanced, and they've built in you know capabilities to help develop and, and train people within that technology. Others, of course, are are building that within their journey. What I would say is is that is that there's a series of things when you think about folks who let's say are are learning um, new um, applications or are learning new techniques relative to um, you know technological skills, and that can come in a variety of ways. Of course, it can come in through professional training um, that companies can provide and and make available. And a lot of companies are doing that now because they know it's important, right? If you if you keep your you keep your employees. Um, skilled and sharp in all shapes and form, right? They're they're doing their best work, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, um, so that is one thing that we do see. The other thing that I, that I've also seen is, you know, what I call buddy systems or you know support um, partnerships where reverse mentoring takes place and someone, let's say, who may have. Um, you know, uh, less technology, um, you know, um, acumen is is paired with somebody who's highly technical, and you know they're they're getting mentored, um, you know, within the technology spaces, and there's that shared collaboration. Um, there's also ways in which I, I think leaders, um, you know, are making sure that they, you know, support the development of individuals based on where they're at. So that's the other thing that I think is also really critical when you think about how do you elevate, um, you know, something as technical skills. You got to meet the person where they're at, and then build the right type of development and exposure, partnerships, develop um, development capabilities that's going to meet them where you know in the way in which they learn and digest it. Um, companies that tend to do the what I call the peanut butter approach, it, it just does not work so well, right? It, you have to really understand the individual and how they best learn, and then give the types of, of options that are going to meet them where they're at in order to build to build that skill set. I love that. And you know, Regina, um, I think that one of the things that leaders need to remember um, today more than ever is that um, anxiety stands in the way of learning. Mm-hmm. So when you um, sort of dismiss the soft skills, you focus on technology, you focus on strategy, you focus on the hard, you know, skills, um, and you dismiss the soft skills, um, it, it does create a lot of anxiety in the team because either people don't understand exactly what you want or the um, they don't feel supported, they feel discouraged, um, there are misunderstandings. Um, and so that takes a lot of energy. So I almost want people to think of the opposite of dedicating the time and the energy 
to soft skills, the opposite is just creating anxiety in the team. And every team member that is anxious is on a very low performance mode because just anxiety takes so much energy from the person. So for that reason alone, it needs to be a priority for every leader to see what they can do on their end to alleviate that. And how do you? You communicate, you know, clearly. You support your team. You empower people. You know, taking the time to do these things, it's not an extra nice to have. It is critical to performance. And we have a comment from uh, Moises. Moises says, on the bright side, closing the technological learning gap is much easier than the soft skills necessary to engage and retain your workforce. Yes, because this, this, what we call the soft skills, I want to change that term, Regina. I want to challenge that term. And I want to call it, I don't want to call it soft, it's soft skills. Let's call it like highly important skills, critical skills, detrimental skills. I don't know, something like that. Well, I, I agree with you, Dr. Rose. And I think when we think about what is classically termed as, as soft skills, the reality is, is those types of skills show up in many instances for successful leadership, um, successful execution and delivery, let's say, of, of any type of initiative, successful client engagement. These soft skills tend to um, align towards effective communication, active listening, open listening, presence, the ability to, to also um, you know, have a level of, of empathy. And, and understand where the other individual may be at. Curiosity, right? To me, that's not a soft skill. That's a critical skill. But but being curious um, makes it, means that you're seeking questions. You're seeking to learn, which ties into growth, which ties into innovation, and also ties into more effective solutioning. So when we think about soft skills, what I would say is, is it shouldn't it shouldn't ever be an either or, Dr. Rosen. When we think about kind of the the intersectionality between you know technical skills versus the softer skills. The idea is, as we think about the future of work, is there's a the, the idea is, is it's a blending, right? These are, you know, people are bringing both of these things to the table, and companies are really developing both. They're not just fixated on one side; they're developing the whole individual. And we're st we're seeing companies do this. Actually, we're seeing companies not just focus in on technical skills or the the skills core to a job. We're seeing companies and organizations also develop you know, beyond leadership skills and the other um, soft core skills and life skills. Um, so so that the person feels like there is a holistic level of development beyond just um, technology and some of the things that tie into their specific roles or jobs. I agree so much. And um, um, we have a, a comment from Nola. Um, and she says, I totally agree. Understanding a person's learning style increases the probability of proper transmitting and translating knowledge 100%. Um, we have a suggestion from a LinkedIn user, Power Skills, which I really liked. Yes. Um, and soft skills, uh, Nola says, soft, soft skills should be referred to as people skills. And I love that too. Um, it's just um, so interesting, um, Regina, because at the end of the day, I think it's a matter of uh, mindset and priority. And the reason why I brought up the terminology that we use for people skills, soft skills, power skills, I like that, is that um, I feel that a lot of times, and I don't know what has been your experience. Um, yes, well-rounded companies know how to integrate skills to accomplish a goal 100%. Mm -hmm. And still, and still, um, I am finding that a lot of times, um, you know, there's just so much that you can do, a leader can do in a day. The day is full of things to do 
and problems to solve and things to handle. And a lot of times, Regina, a lot of times I ask a room full of leaders, you know, I know that you do all these wonderful things, but give me an example of a genuine compliment, workplace compliment, recognition that you gave someone this past week. And it's just a room full of, um, let me think, let me think, hold on, let me think, Dr. Rosen, let me think, let me think. I had to come up with something, give me five minutes. It's not something that just happens um, and it's it, and it takes a lot of mindset and focus. Um, what has been, I mean, we know, we know on a logical level, we know that these things are important. We really do. The question is, when push comes to shove and a leader needs to manage their day, what takes priority? You know, the tasks, the people, the recognition, the gratitude, you know, or does it happen that all the things that need to get done, they need to get done and recognition and gratitude and, and empowerment, all these things, they take a secondary place. And before you know it, a week went by and maybe that leader didn't find the time or just the mental budget to even, you know, they know that they need to lead with gratitude, but who has the time? Well, I, I like to think of that more in micro moments, to be honest with you. Yeah. If we know that everybody has, you know, very busy days. You know, there, there are things that, that uh, fill our plate or overflow our plates, depending on, on um, you know, what's happening within an organization. And, and what I like to encourage leaders to think about is the micro moments that come into play. You know, there are meetings that take place. There are individual one-on-ones that take place. There are, of course, activities that take place, um, you know, either solo or also with teams. You can take literally 60, 60 seconds yeah. to thank and recognize somebody in that moment. Yes. And, th and that in and of itself, again, starts, you know, the, the ability to have a level of you know, regular engagement um, and real-time recognition around how somebody is doing so that they they understand, wow, okay, great. I, I, I got this compliment in the meeting, in the middle of the meeting. This was wonderful. Yes. Um, you know, or if it's in a one-on-one -on -one, or if it's, you know, tied to a broader project or initiative and even taking that small amount of time and weaving that into, you know, the time that you have with your people and teams. I think those are the things that you, you can capitalize off on and ensure then it doesn't necessarily expand your day. The other thing that I want to I want to say to this is, if if leaders are struggling with how to be able to build that into the micro moments, then they also need to be thinking about whether or not they have the right kind of business structure in place. Because if if you are operating at that level of capacity to where none of these types of activities can be reasonably integrated, then is your business model really running effectively the way that it needs to? And, then, and, and you should be looking at it. I love that. And, and Antoinette says there is not enough time for both. This is the reality. And this is this is also the message that, you know, I'm getting from um, a lot of leaders. Here's something really cool that happened to me this week. So this week I was giving a talk to a group of leaders and I was talking about the need to give people in the team genuine compliments recognize them. And RJ here says, um, it is very important to recognize good performance. It is also equally important to address um, um, standard performance. True, because we take everything for granted, right? When people do something and they do something, whether outstanding or they just do it really well, we say, oh, you know, um, you know, of course they did it. It's their job. And um, 
we have Nola says task oriented leaders often ignore the value of a person accomplishing the task. 20 years of leadership training, leadership training in the military have taught me that becoming a transformational leader requires increased uh, emotional cue, which connects you to both the task and the people. And it's so true. And, you know, this week I was giving a talk and we all on the talk, we all pledged all the leaders in the room. We all pledged to do something different. One thing to get a different result. And um, this one guy, I, I invited a few people to the stage, this one guy, he comes with a card and he says, I pledge to give three people every day in my team a genuine compliment. And he said, by the time you called me, Dr. Rosen, I was already sitting in my seat. I already sent a message to someone in my team about something good they've done. And I was thinking to myself, how cool that is, because it's just a matter of, you know, centering your mind. And we know that we need to do these things, but somehow one day chases another and we don't do them. So back to technology, you're, you're the technology department, <laughs> you know, back to technology. I think we should use technology to our advantage and put pop-up reminders, you know, on the schedule, on the calendar, have the phone buzzing with reminders, have pop-up reminders that would say, recognize someone one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock. It, there is so much good to see. And yet we're always so busy correcting other people. Um, and I just want to um, refer to some of the comments, uh, building the natural intention to pay attention to recognition and engagement with their employees really takes honing one's emotional intelligence. EI EQ is key. And you know what LinkedIn user, you start doing that with your team. You end up doing that with your spouse. You end up doing it with your kids. You end up doing it with your parents or your community members because it, it just, you know, those people need to be recognized too. And um, Diane says, I'm trying to, what's the risk if leaders don't demonstrate their appreciation, I love micro moments and I love micro moments too. So Regina, I roll that question to you. What's the risk if leaders don't demonstrate um, their appreciation? Well, I think we're seeing it, aren't we? With the, yeah. uh, the, the great resignation, <laughs> uh, the great uh, upgrade. Um, yes. I, I think that is the, that is playing itself out real time. Um, you know, it, employees are you know really wanting to ensure right as they're as they're bringing their their best selves to work um you know it's a partnership right it's it's, yeah. it's a collaborative effort within an organization and you know because it's that partnership that level of um connection right not just with one's supervisor but with one's peers um is increasingly important yeah. so just like you would see with friendships or like you said a partner spouse if there are areas of where you feel like that those connections are atrophying, then you become disconnected. And when yes. you become disconnected, you then start to look for other ways in which you can connect and I have that. affiliation. I love that. And we all want to feel that we matter, right? Yes. I mean, there's, um, you know, um, there are specific mind biases that gear us towards the negativity, the negativity bias and others where we just focus on all the wrong things that people around us are doing. And we want to get the project right. And we want to get the details right. And we want everything to be great. But on the way, you know, we are disengaging a lot of people by focusing on everything they do wrong and taking for granted all the wonderful things they do right. So what are you doing these days, Regina, that works for you when it comes to keeping that in mind? 
So, so when we think about, um, you know, performance and optimization, a lot of those things also tie into what's happening with the company, what's what's going on within the broader, you know, macroeconomic environment. I think you have to look at all of those things, right, when we think about, you know, what's at play, um, you know, within the work environment. Then, of course, we don't know what's at play, right, within each individual, right? There, yeah. there are other things that are happening with with people outside of work. And the, and the reality is, is those can have effects yeah. um, on individuals. So, you know, the first thing I like to do is go in with a level of curiosity, seek to understand, right? I love that. And, and, and get that person's perspective, you know, on, on what it is that they're seeing. If, if for some odd reason we, we, we saw something that was, um, you know, less than, than maybe optimal than what we were normally used to seeing, it's seeking to understand what, what may have been um, a contributing factor, seeking to understand if there were other things that were at work at play, but then also talking about, okay, well then how do we move forward? Yes. Right? Are there things we can do to start to move that forward? And that again, that's that collaborative approach, right? The per individual of course has their own accountability and responsibility to, to engage in that just as much, you know, as, as me, right? The leader would have. And so that's why I keep saying, you know, it's that, it's that partnership, right? That you have with that individual or around that, that work and development. Um, and usually, basically, in instances where I where I've seen, let's say, it, it those things don't change. It's usually because there's the, the will isn't necessarily there. Um, but people who have that level of engagement, they want to collaborate, they want to partner. That change shifts, right? And you see the elevation, you see the growth. Um, and so, for me, that's what I've found has essentially worked: is kind of going in with a sense of curiosity, seeking to learn, and then working on a path forward that that can, you know look to optimize performance. I, I agree with you. I couldn't agree with you more. And also, I loved it when you said we, you know, how can we, because I felt when you said that, I felt that you were talking to me and that you were taking a, a, a teamwork approach. You know, it's not you, how do you become better in what you do? It's how do we move this forward? And I, it felt to me, um, and you must have done that very intuitively. You must have done that many, many times before because it felt so genuine, you know, a, a, a team, you know, how do we do this together? Um, and um, I think that's a very important thing to do. And um, we have um, RJ here saying, hmm, op hmm, optimizing team performance is uh, an evergreen objective. So recognizing good performance is important. However, addressing poor performance is equally important. Otherwise, poor performers are not addressed and it affects the performance of the entire team. Of course, RJ. Well, we do that. We're very good at that. Oh, we're excellent in 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 uh, um, you know correcting uh, poor performance. I feel that this is oftentimes where we put more most of our attention. The question is, are we also taking the time to recognize you know good performance to recognize people that are you know doing doing some amazing things? The mind tends to focus on the negative. So usually the numbers out of every five things you're going to notice four that are negative where are my fingers here here we go four four out of five that's uh that means that uh you know most of what you're noticing is the negative and you're sort of dismissing the positive taking it for granted i mean think think as a parent if, if you're you know your kid comes home and they get a bad grade or you got they got in trouble with a teacher oh you know we talk about that so much but if they just you know kept on getting good grades and it's just what they do or they did their homework we say oh well you know of course you know, that's just you. You get good grades. Okay, that's fine. So where do we put most of our attention? We put most of our attention on on correcting, you know, correcting everything that is wrong, uh, not necessarily 
um, dedicating the same kind of attention to all the wonderful things that people are doing. Um, Regina, when we talk about the five pillars to shifting the paradigm um, in the future of work, what are those three pillars? Absolutely. So, so when I think about what it means for the future of work and what, what we've been seeing. And like I said, back to that CEO feedback on what's top of mind for them, you know, there really are kind of three areas of, of focus. One is what I would call enablement and enablement ties into, you know, technology enablement, but it also ties into learning enablement. It ties into process enablement, yeah. anything that we can do that essentially helps to support and enable people, right? So that is one area that I think is really kind of core when we think about what it means for companies and organizations, um, you know, to start to have those really good, strong building blocks for success and scalability, solving those enablement challenges are going to be key and crucial. Uh -huh. um, the second pillar, in my opinion, it's people, it's the human capital side. And it's taking, again, a, a holistic approach and thinking about, um, you know, all of the things in which people have contributions, but also how people, um, you know, in, engage. So when we think about um, the fact that people create products, people sell products, um, people service products, um, you know, people um, engage with others to create an experience. The reality is, is that people are at the core of all that we do that is work related, right? Um, even if there's something that is leveraged, let's say by a bot or technology, there are people who are managing that bot or technology. And so when we think about the people quotient side, some of the things that we talked about there are top of mind for CEOs, seeing around the corner, building out better supply chains and, and sustainability. People are at the heart of that. Right. Absolutely. And so if we think about what we need to do in terms of enabling people's skills, making sure that they have the right tools to be most effective, um, you know, in their job, building out effective workforce plans that are going to ensure that the business is actually, uh, you know, going to be successful. Right. And achieving the business goals. All of those things tie into into the people, please, as well as then um, the ongoing development um, of, of skills. Right. So that, you know, People are part of that ecosystem. You want to keep it healthy. And the only way to keep that healthy is through development, through, um, you know, culture and also the enablement piece. So the third um, pillar that I also think is, um, you know, top of mind as we think about transformation and the future of work. Um, and I really do call this resilience. And it's resilience not only in terms of how people can deal with change as individuals, it's how companies can be resilient um, as they're dealing with crises, um, as they deal with um, global macroeconomic factors, um, as they think about what it means to actually innovate and transform, the resilience piece around agility and being able to really understand, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, pivot, let's say if something isn't working and do it quickly, how do you leverage resources in a more agile way so that you can drive um, innovation forward or drive delivery at a faster pace? Those things, um, companies that build resilience infrastructures or systems or capabilities, um, I think also have the ability to sustain, continue to grow, um, and continue to be very relevant. 
I agree 100%. And I just want to um, look at some of the great comments we got here. Libby is saying one of the challenges I'm seeing at the group level, there is much more focus on the transactional, a less on team building. So when things go wrong, it's a much bigger lift to get people to resolve problems because they didn't invest the time to build their relationships as a team before things got busy. Saw this in remote work before COVID too. So this is a big part of what we have to think about when we think about uh, working um, remotely versus walk versus walk, working more traditionally. Um, Libby also says, RJ Ferguson, uh, someone taught me once that recognizing the behaviors that you, uh, you want trains people to continue those behaviors. Ever since I heard that, I shifted my approach with great results. Libby, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, and like I said, we are giving a lot of attention to the negative. So actually what we're doing is reinforcing the negative. So, um, you know, we should be very mindful to um, give a lot more attention to the positive. You know, my daughter came from um, school. This was like before COVID. So she must have been about 10. And she said, oh, we have this teacher. He's a new teacher. He's straight out of college. And he does something cool that no one else does. And I said, really? What does Mr. Shapiro do that no one else does? And she said, well, you know, <laughs> she said, when we do something wrong, he doesn't really care. But when we do something right, he gives it a lot of attention. And I was like, gosh, Mr. Shapiro, you're the textbook of motivation. I said that to myself. So that was amazing. We want to definitely learn from Mr. Shapiro. Um, let's see some other comments that we have here. RJ agrees. And then uh, Nola says, Libby, Libby um, she totally agrees with Libby. We focus more on bad behavior. Absolutely. I think that too, which reinforces the behavior we don't even realize it, but we do. As a psychologist who worked with children in the past, I found that the more parents gave attention to bad behavior, the more it occurred. I agree. I agree. And it's true in the workplace too. We do that in every single aspect of our lives. So if we want to see change in that area, we want to see more good. We need to give more attention to the good when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our spouses, and when it comes to our team members. Everybody's people, it works the same way. Um RJ says, I disagree that we focus only on bad behavior. We don't focus only on bad behavior. It's a matter of what we focus most, most of our energy on. Um, um, and that's and that's the key here. Um, Regina, when you talk about the future of work, what's the one most important piece of advice that you have uh, for leaders these days that will carry them through the next two years, something to keep in mind for every leader. So I, I think there's a key piece as we think about leaders right now. Um, they have to digest their own sense of going through the change process and what it means for them in the new normal or the new future of work, just as much as it is for them to ha help others on their team and their peers um, come along in this journey. So there are two things. One, I think, is recognizing where you are yourself um, mm -hmm. in, in adjusting, understanding, um, you know, how you see how you fit in right, with, with where, you know, organizations are going. Um, and also then making sure that you're giving space and time um, towards helping those essentially along. I think when we think about companies that are going through transformation as, as you know, it's sometimes they you know, get very transactional um, and they forget about the, the, the elements of helping people understand what's what's happening along the way. Right. And because this is something that is this is happening across the globe, it is happening regardless of industry. 
um, this is a big pivot and it's a big shift, right, for, for us as human beings. And so how do we help each other in this, but also recognizing where we are in our own process, I think is going to help us get through and understand where we where we play a key role here. And then also how we're helping others um, as they're digesting what it means um, to have to make some of these changes on how work is going to be in the future. 100%. And you know, like with everything else, you have to train yourself. So, you know, do the trainings, read the articles, watch the clips, read the books. Um, this is not a mystery. Um, and mindset is something that needs to be reinforced all the time. The benefits that you'll reap will be across all areas of your life. So this is, this is, um, you know, very, very significant. Regina, thank you so much. And thank you so much to every, everyone that joined us today. You guys have been wonderful. And let's hope that the future of work is good good, great, and wonderful, and that we're heading towards, um, you know, a much better time. Um, and in any case, with much, much better tools, because, you know, we can't prevent the snowstorms, we can't prevent the hurricanes, we can't prevent world changes. But what we can do is be a lot more equipped, a lot more knowledgeable, and a lot more mindful. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Regina, for um, teaching us and joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Take care, everyone.